Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this show is brought to you by Ned, our newest sponsor. They're well known as being one of the best CBD brands out there. I use and enjoy their products. I find them to be more effective than most CBD products. And that's partly because of the way they are processed and collected. They respect the plant and they also respect the planet. So I think what they provide is a better first line of defense for your body before you turn to pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter medications. I would say try something all natural, like a CBD product. And I think this company is great because they hold the properties of the plant to be the most important, and they respect that in their processing. If you're interested, I invite you to check out helloned.com slash helpmebeme, or enter helpmebeme at checkout for 15% off your first order and free shipping. Thanks! Hi friends, it's Sarah May. So this is an episode all about when you are at your base level, meaning not not acting as your best self. Reactive, maybe that's um, you're in a base level self that's like hopeless, clingy, sad, melodramatic, or maybe that's ragey and hurtful and rude and intentionally mean. So in other words, you're acting in ways that make you feel really bad about yourself. So this usually comes about when you're super overworked or stressed or hormonal or you haven't been sleeping or you haven't had enough to eat um, or all of the above. Or if you're just in a you've been in a bad emotional state for a long period of time. So in general, this is about when the the hide self is the one that's doing all the talking and kind of what that brings about in your life. So as with all my episodes, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Rage, pissiness, negativity, or sadness, hopelessness, isolation, loneliness. So we can go into different states of, I would call them physiological arousal. And if you picture, I don't know if you've heard the episode that's about staying in the chill zone, but if you picture a layer cake with three stripes, on the bottom is like the low zone or hypo arousal. That's when you're in your lowest state. And that feels like sadness, numbness, depression, lethargy, hopelessness, spaciness. Um, and then at the top of this three-layer layer cake is the hyper arousal. And that's when you're in a triggered state of uh, reactivity, um, aggression, um, kind of impulsiveness, kind of a blind um, fire and destruction state. And in between those two zones is a state of rational, calm, uh, reflective being. And I call that the chill zone. And when you're in that middle state, that's when you can actually choose how you want to be. So the goal when you're outside of that middle state is to just recognize I'm out of my chill zone. And you got to take some grounding steps to get back to that zone. 
So if you get into this base level self stage, whether it's the high or the low, it's really like an animal state. It's primitive. And it perpetuates more of itself. Because it's its own set of chemicals that are being released, it can be like addictive to feel it because you start rehearsing more thoughts in the same vein. So it perpetuates more of itself. So you can think of it like an anger monster and the anger monster wants fire, fire, fire. And same with the loneliness and hopelessness lethargy monster. It's just like it wants to stay, you know, down and low and not moving. So when you're in one of these states, you are, are powering it. You start to power it with your brain. It's it's like you officially decide to become it because you identify with it and then you start to voice it. And the same goes for even depression. Like when you're in the depressed state, the depressed mind has no access to the part of your brain that can envision a positive future. So your brain, it just that part of your brain just stops working. So all you can see is more of a hopeless negative state. And that's part of the reason you become committed to not trying is because you cannot perceive the point. So with information about or with, with information like this, when you're in one of the, those two states, like you're stuck in one of those two states, it's really about empowering yourself to act despite the chemical state you are living in. It's kind of like you're in a storm where you can't see anything, but you remember you need to walk 10 paces forward to reach your front door. The same goes for this. It's about knowing the steps you need to take despite yourself, despite how your body feels and what your chemicals are telling you. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, there are a ton of variables in this type of situation, including your physical health, whether or not you've been through a trauma that's unprocessed, and also if you're suffering from a mental health disorder. But I'm not going to go into these in great detail because I'm trying to make it as broad-reaching as possible. I still think it's going to be applicable if one of those things is true. Um, but one of, the, one of the most major causes of being in your base level self is energy. When you have low energy, when your, your blood glucose is low, it basically means your energy reservoir is tapped. So there are many, many studies online you can read about this. Um, it's the reason you don't want to go into court on a Friday afternoon. You want to go on a Monday morning just because throughout the week, your energy reservoir gets lower and lower. And your blood glucose goes down when you have to make a lot of decisions or you have to exert self-control. So if you had to go shopping all day for a dress to wear to a wedding, your glucose is compromised. It's also something that happens if you're not getting enough calories, and that is something that will also happen when you are about to get your period, if you're a lady, because you need more calories when you are um, menstruating. That's just a fact. You need to replace the calories you are losing. Um, so a lot of women don't do that, which is a reason that you find yourself short-tempered and emotionally a mess is like you're, you're not eating enough food. And stress can also cause us to have a compromised threshold. Also lack of sleep. Again, these are all no-does. But I think it's really helpful just to keep your usual suspects top of mind, especially when you're deciding what situations you're going to put yourself in and how you need to nurture yourself. So, for example, if you haven't slept, you haven't eaten, you're about to get your period, probably not the time to engage in a really, you know, important relationship conversation if you have to bring up your needs just because you're already working with 
a handicap. And if you're in a negative state, it will feed itself, including all of the thoughts you have. It colors in all of your thoughts. It becomes a more ingrained neural pathway. It's like we practice a feeling and then our brains and bodies crave more of it. And it kind of opens a floodgate. And I'm not saying that the feeling itself isn't valid and that it doesn't possibly need to be addressed. I'm just saying that that is best done when you are not captive uh, or under its control. Because when you are on rage or on sadness, it's similar to being intoxicated. So you really have to get sober and then get some distance before you can act. At least before you can act in alignment with all of you and all of your best interests. A lot of what perpetuates states of being at our base are the thoughts and feelings of self-judgment. Like we make it worse by feeling shitty about ourselves, which makes it harder to change course. And when we get swept up in what the emotion and the thoughts mean, we are validating them instead of stepping back from them and just witnessing them for what they are, which is just thoughts, thoughts and feelings. So in that moment, it's really helpful just to name them aloud as just a tiny gesture in, in honor of distancing from them as opposed to identifying. So when you do this, it's really important to describe your feelings with I feel versus this fucking sucks. Because when you use language of feelings, like saying I feel blank, it also just allows you to separate from the feeling just the tiniest bit. Research says that emotions last around 1.5 minutes tops, unless we feed them with more thought. So if you are engaging with an emotion, like if you interact with it, especially if you're on the upswing of that feeling, like if it's starting just to get, uh, you know, ramp up, then you might find that you are, you're writing it with more intensity and it kind of needs to play itself out in order for you to come down from it. So I think it's really helpful to become curious around the state you're feeling, like around the, the emotion in your body as a way to separate from it. Like as opposed to reacting to it with self-judgment and thinking like, I shouldn't feel this way and I don't want to feel this way and this is not the right way to feel. Just ask it questions, you know, like ask yourself questions like, where's this coming from? Or how old am I right now? Because you might be living out the emotional state of someone from many years ago. And that can almost paint a stage over your present day life. And just know that no matter how powerful the emotional imprint, that doesn't need to be so forever. Because what you practice, you become. Which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. I'm not sure if that was really all over the place. It felt like it was all over the place. <laughs> Apologies if that was all over the place. Hopefully that all made sense. Um, anywho, this is part three, the how, the tools. The first tool is called break and back up. So picture this like you're on rage or you're on set. I guess this is more related to a rage state. But you are, um, you just like you're ramming into something. And what you really have to do in that moment is hit the brakes and back up. So let's say there is a, a chronic state of being um, in your life of like constantly getting into the state of like melodramatic longing or sadness or neediness or whatever. Um, this is, I just want to call that to your attention. 
if this is a repeating pattern. Because this can be viewed through the lens of CBT, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard of before. Um, and I'm going to do like this super simple, dumb, basic. This is not all of what CBT is, but I'm just going to do the super, super simple cognitive behavior therapy is what I'm talking about. I'm going to do a super, super simple tool that is based on it. Because what CBT does, among many things, is tackle individual thought patterns and alter them when they are not serving you. So how you can look at these is we all have what's called what they call in in CBT is a schema or a view of the world that is very much created by our formative childhood experiences and our major experiences as adults. And so this core set of beliefs is like it's also a set of expectations and it dictates all of the automatic thoughts that you are you will have in your life. And automatic thoughts are often dysfunctional, and they're also often the cause of a lot of psychological disorders. So for example, if people failed you growing up, or you are made to feel like your feelings and your voice didn't matter, you might grow up feeling like I'm a failure as a person, or I'm, I shouldn't be here, whatever it is. And with this belief, you will be more inclined to have automatic thoughts that align with this as an adult. For example, if you don't hear back right away from a date, your automatic thought might be, they don't like me because I'm not good enough, and they would probably hurt me anyway. Whereas another person that has a different set of core beliefs or a different schema would have an opposite automatic thought. So when we are practicing lots of thoughts like these, and we don't even know that we have a choice in them, we just get trained into having more of them. We, we start to look for them in our lives. We invest in them. And in order to not continue having the same thoughts, we have to kind of frame fuck them, meaning we have to slow them down and see the individual things that are happening in the moment by moment and just recognize each one individually. Because right now you're just taking them for granted. So in other words, we have to start to become super aware of the thoughts that go through our head. And we have to look at them and see what they are and then write a list of them down. And that is when we can bring in possible other thoughts to replace them and thoughts that are more chemically supportive or helpful to our mental health, not to mention more rational. So in the case of being at your base level self, let's say you're thinking, I'm a bad partner. I just yelled at my spouse. This day is going to suck because I feel like hot garbage. In that moment, you can see that this is not a helpful thought and that it perpetuates more of this feeling. It's also an unconscious decision in that it welcomes the rest of the day sucking. So you snap at your spouse. Instead of launching into self-judgment, break and back up. And by that, I mean it's just the first thing breaking is recognizing. So just stopping to notice what you're doing and see the thought process that's taken over. And give yourself a high five in that moment because that's like waking up from just the moment is a victory in itself. And then step two, which is back up, means create space for an alt thought. Like in that moment, you can offer yourself up another point of view. And for example, maybe I can apologize and tell this person I am struggling right now. Maybe I'll feel better once I eat some lunch. Maybe I just need to apologize and then I need to contain myself. Like I need to create a buffer around myself today because I'm not feeling good, etc. 
So just in those two steps, you have altered the course of the negative energy's flow. And I will say it's really hard the first time, but then it gets more and more accessible each time you practice it. And I, again, have oversimplified <laughs> everything that CVT is. So don't believe that you that I am representing it. It's like if you have a therapist that practices CBT, that's much greater than what I've just said. Okay. The next tool is HALT. I mean, this is like a – it's probably in like half of all mental health books. But it's Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. That's an acronym for – it's a really basic list of things to be cognizant of if you are in your base level self. Like if you are hang – hangry or angry or lonely or tired, that is more of an important factor than whatever your thoughts are telling you. That is probably the majority of what's wrong. It's just that in itself is like, I'm, I'm hungry. That's it. Once you if you're in one of those states, the first thing you need to do is address that state, then visit whatever, you know, the thoughts telling you it needs from you. All right, the next tool is called overruled. So I want you to picture in your mind, you have dirty lawyers, and they are proving a case. I shouldn't say dirty lawyers, they're just lawyers. <laughs> and they are arguing a case. And um, they're going to use everything they possibly can to argue the points of that case. And I just want you to get to know this, the voices they have, like, what are the voices of the dark lawyer? What are the voices of the light lawyer? Like, what will the dark say? Just recognize the scripts, you know? It's they will go through a litany of whatever rationale for how you're a victim, how this person has always done this, and how they've always done that, and they never really believed in you because of this, and they have been, you know, they've proven they can't be trusted because of that. They'll go to some really dark, <laughs> you know, not cool um, case files to prove their point. And this lawyer will be so convincing in the moment. And oftentimes, it's like you start nodding your head along, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's almost like this lawyer is like getting a murderer, um, you know, out of jail. And what I want you to do in that moment is like, yeah, don't listen to the dirty lawyer. You just have to step back and just become aware of what types of things it's going to say so that you can know when not to pay attention to it. Because in the moment, it's like our chemicals want us to agree. They, we want to feel like such a validated victim, you know, um, or a justified angry person. And just like the more you can become familiar with this case, the more you can debunk it the next time it comes up and just say overruled. I don't even know if that's a thing that it happens in court cases. Apologies if you're a lawyer and you're listening to this. Meant no offense. Um, okay, the next tool is called 180 power. So I want you to write this down, just this phrase, on a little piece of paper and keep it in your wallet. And what this means is never forget that there is completely different day possible at all times. 180. 180 power exists all the time. Your entire life and outlook can change to be completely the opposite in a single hour. So the next time you are 
in a state of like, oh my God, everything's terrible, everyone hates me, or I hate everyone, I have nothing, blah, 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 blah. Just remember, like, the opposite can be true in a single day. I can feel completely opposite in a single day. This always exists. And that just is a reminder to you have the ability to take actions toward that goal. It's just about remembering that, like, that is a possibility that exists. And I will also say that the next time your life proves to you the truth of 180 power, just take a mental note. Like, the next time you're, like, you hang out with a friend and you're, like, wow, I feel so much better after talking to you. I felt so shitty this morning. Just like make a mental note like, oh yeah, 180 power. Um, This is super nerdy, but I like to write these sentences down in the divider pages of my journal. Just like, and I like to like illustrate them in a cool way. Just little truths that I can remember and feel joyful about like, oh yeah, Oh, yeah, this always exists. Like, never forget. That's totally possible. And the more you make an effort to remember these experiences, the more you'll realize you actually do have them. All right. The next tool, make space. Um, so the storyteller in your brain picks the story of your life. Like, that narrative is chosen on a daily basis by you. And if you're in a, a sadness state or a rage state, it's like maybe it, maybe a different story is true. Maybe a very opposite story is true. So in the moment you are crafting the narrative of what's wrong and why your feelings are justified, maybe what you need to do is just take a little break. So meaning leave the room or depart from that topic in your mind. Just make space for a possible other story to come forth. Because I think a lot of the time, you know, three hours later, you feel totally different when you're not hyper-focused on the issue and when emotions are not, when you're in the threat state, your brain is by default hyper-focusing. That's when you're you're in that hyper-arousal state. So we, we just need a little space from it. We need to take a break. And then you'll see more. All right, the next tool, desire crunches. This is a weird one. Um, well, the behind the impulsiveness, the reactivity, is a uh, just our inability to choose. It's like we we have a feeling of I have no control. I need. I must. I want. And we ha- we feel like we have to uh, quench this feeling. And this feeling or this process I'm describing, it's very much a muscle and we can actually work it out. And when we do, our reservoir for self-control grows larger, meaning our capacity. Um, So as you go about your week, I encourage you to do what I'm calling desire crunches. And basically in the moment you have an impulse to act or a desire to like quench something, in that moment, deliberately pause, like deliberately stop yourself and exert control just via presence of mind over that urge in yourself. And just examine it, just witness it and not act on it. Like don't go into an automatic motion. Um, And that will actually, you're doing a muscle rep in that moment just by being deliberate. And I'm not saying like if you're you're like, I really want to eat the cookie and then you're like, I'm going to stop and I'm going to witness myself wanting to eat the cookie. It doesn't mean you can't eat the cookie after that. It's just like this is really just a moment of like I'm doing a rep um, of presence. All right. The next tool, energy letters. This started as energy emails. And I was like, fuck that. We need to send more letters, people. 
So this is really about moving through the agony of shame after you have reacted poorly or you've done something that doesn't align with who you want to be. And it's just done in your mind. It's a visualization. No physical action needs to be taken. But just mentally send a love letter to that person and then send one to yourself. Send, just send that person love and then send love to yourself um, because you too are suffering. And this sounds like trivial and kind of touchy-feely, but it is helpful in just the act itself. You are It's like you're setting an intention, an intention of um, how you want to continue in the situation. So it does change your energy in just a very specific way. All right. The next tool, you just collected a piece of the sky. So this is a visualization for if you are stuck in shame. So imagine uh, one of those big puzzles and there's like 50 pieces that are all solid blue that are like the sky. And those are really hard puzzle pieces to find and to put together because they're all solid color. But that's kind of what this experience is. If you raged at somebody or you flipped out on somebody and you felt shitty about it, like this is feedback. Pain is feedback. So figure out a way to hold on to this experience as an insight. Like, I just collected another little puzzle piece of myself. Um, Maybe write it down in your journal. Like, for example, if you're noticing you are snapping a lot at, like, the easiest targets in your life, uh, the the people you respect the least, or the people who are the most vulnerable, like, that is information for you because it's, it's showing you something in you is going unaddressed. Like, I have unmet needs or I have unvented anger. Um, where is that anger centered around? Who's, what is that really about? What can I learn from this? What is this here to tell me? And all of, all of these experiences are not wasted if we choose to make them into learning for ourselves. It's like curiosity is really important. All right, the next tool is called Rage Paparazzi. (laughs) You know, paparazzi are annoying and everyone hates them. So if you are a person who gets harassed day and night by your inner thoughts, then your goal is to really perfect ignoring them, going about your life, living your life as normally as you possibly can, despite them. And you can think of thoughts as very much the same as sounds. Like they can be loud and disruptive, but they're just not to be engaged with. And... In those moments, it's just because they can be really overwhelming and really distracting, um, or they can tell you really, really dark things, and it's really hard not to be, um, you know, um, engage emotionally with them. What you can rely on in those states are what I call tent poles, like meaning logical facts that have come from outside of you, things that are immovable in your life, things you know to be true, and that's all you can hold on to. That's the, that's the only truth that exists as far as you're concerned. And I like to build these out of things that are so basic and simple, you know, like I'm in therapy and I'm going to be talking about this in the room. This is something I will address with my therapist. That's one. Um, another one is this isn't forever and I will feel so much different in, you know, a few hours from now or I can feel so much different in a single day. Or even, I'm experiencing sadness right now, and that's okay. Another one is, I have friends. I can reach out to someone for help right now. Just facts. Super, super simple facts. You could even say, like, I'm in a room sitting in a chair. I know that to be true. 
It's just like giving yourself comparison um, in the form of rational thinking and holding on to those things, repeating those types of things to yourself. This is also a tool Marshall Linehan had um, that involves two circles. I put that in another podcast. Um, If I can find a link to it, I'll put it in the show notes. Anywho, those are all of my tools. Um, And before I close, I want to thank all of my latest sponsors, Matthew, thank you, such a generous donation, and Sandra, or Sandra, thank you so, so much. And Kelly, thank you for your donation via Yay With Me. And Mary, such a generous donation via Yay With Me. Thank you so much. And if you guys um, get anything out of the show and you have the means to make a donation, they very much help the show. And if you don't have the means, totally get it. Uh, a review on iTunes is also greatly appreciated. And I love reading your reviews. Thank you very, very much. So I wanted to close this episode with a visualization practice. This is something that Tara Brock did. Um, I went to see her in person in Los Angeles recently. It was pretty amazing. I have listened to her podcast in the past, and I've read a lot of her books. And she seeing her in person was like blew my fucking mind. She was amazing. Um, it was very different than the podcast, even though the content was very similar. Anywho, I'm tailoring part of what she said I'm creating a truncated version of one thing she kind of went through. Um, So if you can right now scan your life for kind of the most common experiences of being at your lowest self, uh, like the self you don't like, like maybe moments you acted mean or spiteful or wounded or clingy or childish. So just go through, think back now, like what's an issue that keeps recurring for me? What's a situation that keeps recurring for me? I'll give you a moment. So just bring that whatever it is experience to mind. Maybe it's the most recent one. And now I want you to ask yourself, what is blocking me in that moment? Like, what is the feeling? Because we cut ourselves off in moments of reactivity. Like, usually it's fear at its core. So what's the thing that comes up? Is it fear? Is it hurt? Is it fear of being hurt? Usually the fear is interwoven with I'm not good, some version of I'm not good. And our reactivity is pushing away some form of that belief. So as you think of this recurring reactive self, I want you to ask yourself, what does that part of myself need most from me? Like how can I bring kindness to that part of myself. Give you a moment to think on that one. So for me, that self was saying, I need to be seen. I need to be heard. And the the recurring thing I had was like anger, rage, anger. So in other words, the feeling was saying, I need to express my anger more often. Like I need to have a voice, a real voice because otherwise I'm going to explode. So for you, that might be, I need to be supported and cared for, or I need to be loved unconditionally, or um, I just need to be seen. So in the future, when you experience one of these types of moments of base level self, instead of identifying with that feeling and following the story of what that means about you and who you are, 
I invite you to instead react with this type of compassion, like almost like third person. Um, Curiosity, you know, like, what does this self need from me? What is this trying to say to me? And it's almost like acknowledging your own suffering in that moment, you know, versus like, fuck me. Because when we can do that, it gives us just the tiniest bit of space and distance from the thought and the feeling, which gives us a chance at having a choice, a choice of the following actions we want to take. And just for whatever it's worth, condemning a thought pattern is the same as feeding it. So know that even in our moments of lowest self, there is a need underneath that that can be nurtured and understood and witnessed so it can be let go, so it can be integrated. And if you find that it's impossible for you to reach a place of kindness and compassion with yourself in those moments because like you're too in it, in that moment, another solution is just ask for help. Ask no one in particular. I like to use the word universe so I'll say, like, universe, please help me. Fill in, help me to blank. And I think what's most important in that process is that it's a formal gesture in a particular direction that you yourself witness. It's not that the universe is going to intervene if you don't believe in that stuff. Um, it's more about the gesture of you asking. And if that even still feels too weird for you, and if you're stuck in the state of shame, I think another tool is to try and picture a person who does have compassion and who is inspiring and mature and like a pillar for you and imagine their care and forgiveness for you in that moment. So picture them giving you this compassion. And if that still doesn't help you, um, another thing is to picture there are just there are millions of people in the world who are suffering just like you right now, just Remember that truth and take comfort in that and take strength from that and know that in the act of having compassion for yourself, you can inspire others to have self-compassion too. And once you can get a little bit of space from the shame state, the best possible next action you can take is one that makes amends for the action that caused you suffering. In other words, take one positive action. And that is just a great way to almost delete and plus the value of this entire experience. It's like you convert it into a new muscle just by moving through the length of this process, just by processing it at all. And I know this is like so lengthy and like intricate and hard to remember all these steps, but it does become innate with time. And I know a lot of this is ending on like kind of a touchy-feely note. And I know a lot of people are triggered by any mention of the universe or all that stuff. But I do think these works regardless of if you're an atheist or not, if that helps at all. It's also telling yourself how you want to feel. That's that's part of or half of the effect of this. Um, and I will also say that self-compassion is equivalent to bravery because it means you are approaching the feeling and you are confronting it versus avoiding it or ignoring it or hiding it from it. And it's much harder to do that. It takes a lot more energy to do that. So it's worth it. And you grow as a process, as a part of the process. So I hope all that made sense. I hope this is helpful. And I send you my love. Don't forget to smile.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.